The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Everybody, happy April 9th or whenever it is you're listening to us. So happy to be with you today. I've had the best day so far. I was up at my daughter's place. She is a state licensed wildlife rehabilitator, and I got to help her feed two little baby pigeons. Baby pigeons look sort of like ducklings, but sort of odd. And three little baby squirrels who make me think that God must have been in a really good idea one day and said, let me invent a species that is dedicated to having fun. Oh, so lovely. And we have a great, big, fabulous show for you today. Welcome to everybody who's listening in, people who are new to the program, maybe some folks from the Worcester Veg Fest this past weekend up there in Worcester, Mass. Hey, Worcester, Mass. Uh, Thanks to Drew and everybody at that wonderful festival for inviting me and to um, Mark Bronstein for driving me from the train, which was something of a hike. That was a really, really fun Sunday. So welcome all. What we have on tap for you today is just stuff happening every single minute. After the first break, we'll have Melissa Elliott talking about cruelty-free beauty, the latest in in cosmetics and ways to be gorgeous and gorgeously kind. And then in the third segment, we'll bring on Raw Generations, Jessica Geyer, and she's going to have a great big fat discount just for people who listen to Main Street Vegan Radio. Pretty cool. Now I am going to bring on somebody else. See, I told you it was jam-packed. 
someone who actually does a lot of juicing herself. But what she's known for is being an animal rights attorney and the co-founder and co-director of Our Hen House. You know Jasmine Singer and Marianne Sullivan. It's Marianne that we're having on today of Our Hen House, famous podcast. They now also have their very own television show on Brooklyn Independent Media. That Our Hen House show is available all over New York City. And last week, Marianne and Jasmine were in Basel, Switzerland for a really unique conference. So Marianne is here to tell us about that. How you doing, Marianne? I'm great. Thanks for, her, for having me on, Victoria. <laughs> well, how cool that you can be great and you just got back in this time zone yesterday. That <laughs> yeah, says no, something for all the juice. <laughs> so tell us about yeah, this the, conference. The what made it special? It was an amazing conference. It was the first European conference on animal law. And, and I, I, this is a process they're going to be doing every year. And the University of Basel's law school has a very active animal law program. But what was really special about this, I thought, was that they brought together experts in animal studies, various aspects of animal studies, with lawyers. And the idea was to take this um, academic work that's being done, investigating what's going on with animals in all different spheres, as the animal studies folks are doing, and translating it perhaps into some policies. Uh, there's an idea to actually change the world for animals. So I love that concept, and the conference was, was jam-packed. They were more than sold out, and, and people were dying to get in, and wonderful speakers from both sides of the Atlantic. And I, I thought it was really, really a successful conference. That's really exciting. Now, update me, at least, and maybe some of our listeners, too, on what this discipline of animal studies is. When somebody says animal studies to me, I think of people putting animals in cages and doing strange things to them? Well, not necessarily. Animal studies is actually quite, it's, it's a hugely growing field in academia, and it encompasses all sorts of different, different studies. And it's, it's really kind of amazing that academia and the intellectual elite have not really thought very seriously about the role of animals in our world until recently. And they've started to wake up to that, and it's really become quite a, a passionate subject in all sorts of different areas, animals in literature, animals in art, animals in the scientific studies of animals, and, and thinking about what animals really are, and and animals in our society, what roles they play for us. So it's it's hugely popular. It's, it's, quite, it's quite the rage in academic circles. But it doesn't always translate into into changing things for animals. For many people, it's just the study of the role of animals in all of these various different aspects. So it, it isn't necessarily progressive. Um, sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. But like any academic field, uh, people have very many different interests, and there were different interests represented at this conference as well. But I think it's just a real sign of the times and an exciting moment that people are starting to think very seriously about animals, because I think that once they do start to think seriously about them, everything will change. And that really that process is really just starting. It is indeed. Now, what was the name of the conference if somebody wants to do more research about it? Uh, the, 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 it was, it's the first annual European conference on animals in the law, but the name of the specific conference was The Animal Turn. The Animal Turn. Fascinating. Yes. And, so what, yes, what are they doing in about Europe? The, 
Well, there's, there's lots of go, there's lots going on there, uh, both on the academic side and on the legal side. Uh, Europe has, for a long time, been way ahead of us in, in a lot of different aspects in providing for less inhumane treatment of animals, particularly in the farm animal realm. Uh, you know, it, there's been this huge fight in this country to get rid of some of the worst. Uh, ways of treating farm animals like the gestation crate for pigs and the veal crate and the battery cages for laying hens. And all of those things have been banned in Europe, uh, Europe-wide, and which is great news. Um, and so, and also cosmetics testing is now banned in Europe, uh, testing cosmetics on animals. They've done an enormous amount of progressive work and really, you know, in some ways are an icon for us in, in the legal realm. At the same time, Animal use is still very, very wide and broad in, in Europe, and, and I'm not sure that they're any further ahead of us on the whole, uh, shall we say, vegan front, on the, on the idea that we can leave animals out of the process completely and stop using them. Uh, they're, they're, they're doing better on abuse, but the idea that we can actually stop using them for all these processes, hmm, they're ahead of us, but not so far ahead of us. So there's still an enormous amount of work to be done. There's still factory farming in Europe. It's not as bad as factory farming in America, but it's, it's, it's still there. Mm. So what did you learn that you didn't know before you went? <laughs> I learned a lot about what's going on in Europe. I, you know, they, they have some interesting provisions in the law there. And, of course, we were in Switzerland, which is one of the more progressive countries in for quite a while. And one of the things I learned was that the Swiss Constitution actually has a provision in it providing for the dignity of all living creatures. Oh, my goodness. Which is goodness. really kind of extraordinary. Yes. Dignity. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, that's the main treatment. Yes. It's, it's a lovely sentiment, and, and it has certainly been applied to animals. There's no hesitation. You know, there's nobody saying, well, that just means humans. It doesn't mean animals. They definitely apply it to animals. It has been interpreted in ways that perhaps I wouldn't interpret it and perhaps you wouldn't interpret it since, since of course, eating animals is still allowed and that's not very Um And, you know, there's still the possibility of using animals in medical research and, and other things. And so the way this provision has been interpreted is to provide for less inhumane treatment in those processes. But first of all, it's been a basis for what has already been some progressive legislation in Switzerland. And it's also, you know, once that word is in your constitution, then you have something to build on. I mean, maybe it isn't being as interpreted as, as strongly as I would hope or as some of the animal rights people in Switzerland would hope, but it exists. And, and they can work to interpret it more broadly and to encourage people to think of animals in a new way and to think of really taking that word pretty seriously. I mean, if you take it seriously, as in so many of the words we apply to animals, it could really start to mean something. I mean, if we took our, our, some of the provisions in our law, like as, as you shouldn't cause animals unnecessary suffering, which is, of course, present in the cruelty laws of every state in the United States. If we really were serious about thinking about what these words mean, unnecessary, uh, well, hardly any of the things that we do to animals are actually necessary in any serious meaning of that word. So a lot of it lies in interpretation. But, but what I found is that, that the laws themselves in Europe actually do have a lot of provisions in them that are being interpreted more more vigorously than ours are and that leave room for a lot of new interpretation. So that was very exciting. Oh, uh, another it sounds exciting. One of the speakers there was one of the judges from the European Court of Human Rights, which is a very important court. It's a Europe-wide court. Uh, and he's, the fact that he would 
come to such a conference and speak to people who are animal rights activists, I think is, is just wonderful. And, and he's very proud and his court is very proud of how much Europe has come along and really is further ahead, really probably than anywhere else in the world on providing well, that for is exciting. animals. And I think he was enlightened to the fact that, that many people think that Europe hasn't gone far enough. So there were both sides of that, but it was wonderful to see a judge from such a prestigious court thinking this is an important enough issue to come and speak to people. For sure. And it is extremely important, which is what we are all about. Thank you so much for taking some time today, Marianne, to fill us in a bit on this interesting Cross the Atlantic adventure. Unfortunately, we're going to have to stop for a break, but do stay with us. We've got lots more great things coming up here on Main Street Vegan. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com. Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Pop culture is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as modern popular culture transmitted via mass media and aimed particularly at younger people. But can it be meaningful? Spiritual even? The hosts of Pop Conscious think it can be. And that it can be fun to explore, too. Melena Dawn and Stacey Macris Ross will be your amateur cultural anthropologists, examining pop culture and spirituality every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on Pop Conscious on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. 
Welcome back, everybody. And it is my distinct pleasure to introduce my guest, Melissa Elliott. I love having people on that I've heard of for years and haven't talked to before. It's like meeting a great big celebrity. And Melissa is certainly in the vegan world, a great big celebrity. She's the author of The Vegan Girl's Guide to Life. And she's a professional in the beauty industry and has been since 2001. You've seen her makeup work in Vanity Fair, Rolling Stone, People, like a magazine and on TLC's What Not to Wear. She lives in the San Francisco Bay Area where she's a DJ and a singer in the Bang Girl Group Review. Her next project is a lifestyle blog that tackles her love of makeup, vintage fashion, travel, and food. And that's going to be named for Melissa, Melissa.com. That's M-E-L-I-S-S-E-R. So you can look for it. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Your book is absolutely enchanting. Thank you. And I love the idea of vegan beauty because there didn't used to be any vegan beauty (laughs) except what came from within and what we could make with Crisco and food coloring. So true. (laughs) So true. We've come a long way. We have indeed. So I was just talking with Marianne Sullivan of Our Hen House, and she was telling me how they have just been in Europe and the EU has banned cosmetic testing. What's the latest on what's going on over here? So it's interesting because I feel like the United States has been moving backwards, which is insane. <laughs> you know, we we fought so many years to, to ban animal testing and, and people seem to be on board for it. But I think uh, one of the big issues we have here is um, many of the companies that are common companies here, things that you'll find at Sephora and and other places, um, they also sell in China. And at this point, China is requiring animal testing. So a lot of the companies that are considered cruelty-free in the States, maybe they don't test here, they are testing in China. So it's hard to say that a company is cruelty-free when you know not too far away they're testing on animals the exact same products. Right. So what do you do to make sure you're getting cruelty-free products? So there's there's quite a few things you can do. Luckily, there's resources out there now. Um, I started Cruelty-Free Face years ago, but I'll fully admit it's not as updated as it could be. But there are other, um, there's other great sites like Vegan Beauty Review and um, Tashina Combs has Logical Harmony. But a lot of it you can figure out on your own. If you know a product is vegan, because a lot of companies are now saying that they're vegan, look up who their parent company is. Um, Maybe they say they're cruelty-free and they don't test on animals, but you can look up their parent company. A lot of the parent companies do test on animals. Now, I know some people, if that specific line is vegan and cruelty-free and not testing on animals here or in China, they'll utilize it despite the parent company. It's, It's definitely a decision you have to make as a consumer. It's not a fun decision to make, but uh, it is one you have to make. And luckily, you know, there's tons of research on the internet. It's not as hard as it used to be. And there's a lot of great indie brands that don't have parent companies, so you don't have to worry about animal testing. Well, this is good to know. I always love it when they put it right there on the label and they'll put all these other things like organic and no preservatives. And it's like, okay, I'm looking for the leaping bunny. I'm looking for something that tells me that it's cruelty free too. harder to, harder to spot. I know it's, it's true. Um, 
you know, there's so many different certifications out there as well. It, it's hard to know. And also the different certifications have different standards. So, you know, it's all about research, you know, it's, it's, it can be difficult at times, but it's about doing the best you can. And luckily a lot of people have done the research for you. So you can kind of, you know, get out there and Google some things and, and find out. I mean, I definitely recommend my favorite brand at the moment is Obsessive Compulsive Cosmetics. Aren't they wonderful? They are, you know, they're completely vegan and cruelty free. The owner is vegan. They don't have a parent company. They're available in Sephora. Um, not the entire line, but a lot of it. And, you know, you walk into Sephora and there's a sign that says vegan and cruelty free right there, which is mm-hmm. amazing. That really is. Yeah. And, you know, that's and Sephora is huge. Just about anyone can walk into a Sephora now and get vegan makeup. Well, thank goodness. Yes. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Yeah, there's a cute little obsessive compulsive boutique down in the East Village. We try to take the uh, Main Street Vegan Academy students there when we can. Yeah, Give I them love- a little all vegan shopping experience. Mm-hmm. So what are some other brands you're liking? Um, what are some other brands? Another all vegan line is Swagger Cosmetics. She's quite small. You'll have to order it online. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, th- that's the other thing. A lot of people are concerned about ordering things online and I get it you know you want to see the color in person you want to try it on but the great thing about there being tons of beauty blogs people make swatches if there's a shade you see on a web page and you're not convinced that the swatch they have is accurate you know google swagger cosmetics and the name of the shade swatch and I can almost guarantee there's a blogger out there who has put it on the back of their hand and taking pictures of it in natural light and in, you know, in lamp light and all these things. And you can see what it looks like. We're lucky to have those resources now where you can pretty much find out what something is going to look like. Uh, well, Tashina from Logical Harmony had recommended some foundation to me. And I said, I've spent so much money buying foundations online and then having them be some awful color. And she said, ask if they'll send you samples. And during the break, I'll go check the name of this company. But they actually sent me physical little bitty jars to try. So they've made a customer, obviously. Yeah, there's a lot of, and a lot of the smaller brands are able to do that. That's the nice thing. A lot of the smaller brands will do that for you. Um, You know, they'll send little packets out or they'll make little shakers for you. You know, foundation, certainly the hardest. The great thing is there's tons of vegan foundation available. That's probably the easiest thing to find that's vegan because it's not something that would typically have animal products in it. So it's more about finding the right formula for you than it is finding something that's vegan. Aha. Uh-huh. But yeah, what, color what, cosmetics, you know, those are a little tougher because you want to try them on. Yes. Yeah. Well, nowadays it just seems that you could do magazine shoots and whole movies with all cruelty-free products. Is is that what you've seen? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I've worked in the the industry for a long time and I there was a point where it wasn't easy to do. Um, and it, and, and it has been harder because, you know, there's companies like Mac that used to be cruelty free and then they started selling in China. I know. Uh, so it, it, you know, Smashbox, all these companies that are owned by Estee Lauder used to have amazing vegan options. And, you know, I've been a makeup artist a long time and I had a full kit of items that were all vegan and cruelty free. 
And then a bunch of companies backpedaled and I had to work to replace all of those. Yeah. Um, I had the same thing happen with my, my last book, Main Street Vegan. My cosmetic chapter was done and the book was printed and everybody was happy. And then literally within weeks, this word came out, oh, all those companies, some of which had been vegan or not vegan, but non-tested for 35, 40 years were all of a sudden not. So uh, Tarcher Penguin was lovely and agreed to go back and uh, for the second printing, change that chapter. But it's kind of hard to keep up with. So it's great that they have the the websites and blogs that are following this all the time. Absolutely. You left the beauty industry for a while. You were going to be a pastry person. <laughs> I, yeah. How'd that go? Um, I did work in pastry. So I had been doing makeup for quite a while and um, I wasn't vegan. I was vegetarian. And then I went vegan and it kind of gave me, it made me think again about what I had in my makeup kit. You know, at that point, I didn't know if everything was cruelty-free. Um, so I actually took a hiatus from the beauty industry because um, I was scared. I didn't want to put things on people that were tested on animals. And I was also working in an industry. I was working a lot in the fashion industry, doing a lot of magazines and television and things. And I felt like I was working in an industry that made women feel bad about themselves um, and was placing unrealistic expectations on women. And you know, my, my newfound veganism, I just felt like I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to make women feel bad about themselves. I don't want people to buy makeup that's not cruelty free. I don't want to hurt any beings at all. So, um, you know, I walked away, I walked away from a great career that I had, um, just for ethical reasons. I, I couldn't do it anymore. And I opened a bakery and became a pastry chef. Oh, that's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not the worst thing ever. But of course, you know, I'd been in the beauty industry so long, I missed it. I, I had to make a return eventually. I just, I couldn't imagine not, um, you know, just playing with makeup, putting makeup on people, like working on photo shoots, things like that. I had been doing it for so long. It was difficult not to continue doing that. What I find is interesting is sometimes people do think that they have to leave a career when they go vegan. I was talking with uh, the dietitian Brenda Davis, and, and when she went vegan over 20 years ago, she thought, well, I can't be a dietitian anymore because we're telling everybody that they're supposed to eat animal products. And then, of course, she learned <laughs> that you can absolutely uh, be healthier uh, as a vegan and yeah. didn't have to leave. And here you are back in beauty. But it's interesting that you've done beauty, you've done pastry, you're in music. And all this reminds me of the Vegan Girl's Guide to Life, which is such a complete lifestyle guide. You've got crafts in there. You've got all the things that make it fun to be a girl. Tell us about the book. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of, you know, I felt like when I first went vegan, there was a learning curve. And I think that's for everyone. You know, you make this ethical decision or whatever reason you make it for and you go, okay, now what? You know, you have to all of a sudden change a lot of things about your lifestyle. And there's all these little nuances that you didn't think of. And so I wanted to write a guide for people. You know, it's not just for girls. Men can read it as well, but it definitely has, um, you know, it has a little bit of a, a feminine influence on it. But um, I just, I wanted to take the guesswork out of going vegan. I wanted to show that 
it's not about being sad. It's not about restrictions. It's, you know, it's about, you know, having fun, living your life as normal. And it's not difficult. You just have to get the hang of it. And, and it takes a little time. And I wanted to, you know, help people with that. So they didn't have such a learning curve. So how is it for you? You're in San Francisco, you're in a band. So I imagine you're hanging out with a lot of people who are vegan and a lot of people who aren't. How do the ones who aren't take to you? You know, for the most part, I'm very lucky. Um, people find out pretty quickly I'm vegan just because it's it's such a large part of who I am. Um, you know, most of the companies I've worked for have been specifically vegan companies and things like that. You know, if someone asks, where do you work? You know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I work for this vegan company. Oh, are you vegan? So, um, you know, there's always those people who want to get a rise out of you and feel like they have to say yum cheeseburgers or whatever, whatever the deal is. Um, and luckily, you know, I can dish it as well as I can take it. But, um, no, for the most part, I've just always lived by example and I've been really lucky. Um, I've had a lot of people in my life go vegan who were not and who I hadn't even asked or suggested. I just was living by example and feeding them tasty food when I could. And, and you know, they made, they made the progress on their own. It's wonderful. It's positive contagion. Now, one of your interests is vintage fashion. And there's always the question of, well, if the fur is from a vintage store, so the animal died a really long time ago and didn't die so that I could buy the coat or wool or leather or other things, then it's okay. Where do you come down on that? Yeah. You know, it took me, a, well, first of all, I just, fur, no, I just can't do it. Vintage or not, you know, um, I think it, it, it makes it look like it's still in fashion and people don't necessarily know that you're wearing vintage. So I just, I think it's a bad idea. Um, I think with other materials, it's, it's a little more of a blurred line. Um, it took me a long time to wrap my head around it. When I first went vegan, I had some friends who wore secondhand leather and I was very confused by it. I was like, I don't understand. Like you're supposed to be vegan. That's so gross. And then I realized, you know, in talking with them that their leather shoes were being resold repeatedly versus my PVC shoes that were being thrown in a landfill because I would destroy them within two months. So I understood where they were coming from eventually. Personally, um, I still try to avoid these, these items. Like I said, I would never wear fur. And I feel like with wool and leather, it's, you know, it is a blurred line because you can't necessarily tell that something is wool or leather. There's such similar materials now that look like these things. Um, you know, I do own maybe one or two things that are wool or leather that are things that I couldn't get otherwise. Shoes are really hard for me. Things that go with vintage clothing. I wear exclusively vintage clothing, but I wear modern shoes. And a lot of times there are not modern shoes that look good with vintage. So I own one or two pairs of vintage leather shoes and I can resole them for the rest of my life. And there's something that I would never be able to find a vegan version of. And it was really hard for me to come to terms with that. Well, I think that every vegan comes to terms with this sort of thing. And it's not like joining some orthodox cult where there are these hard and fast rules for every person at all times. It's really, I always remember Jay Dinshaw, co-founder of the American Vegan Society, saying this is about doing the most good and the least harm that you can at any given moment. 
And I know now that we have Vogue Couture, I have two of the most drop-dead gorgeous <laughs> winter coats that are not wool. But before that, I bought vintage wool coats because I didn't know what else to buy. So, yeah, you know. Absolutely. I I own Vogue Couture now as well, but I was in the same boat before. I mean, it's cold out there and there weren't options, but luckily now there are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's lovely. What a wonderful adventure we're having here in vegan land. Melissa Elliott, look for Melissa.com. When can we look for that? You know, it's been in the works for a while. Hopefully within the next month or two, it will be up. Okay. Melissa.com and the Vegan Girl's Guide to Life. Enjoy. If you've enjoyed this lovely woman for these few minutes, Think how much fun it's going to be to read her book and read her blog. Whoopee. Thank you so very much for being with us here on Main Street Vegan. Thank you. Thanks, Melissa, and everybody else. Stay with us because when we come back, we're going to be talking juice. And guess what? Saving money on your very own juice cleanse. How juicy does that sound? What if you could transform your finances and energy level? Go from lack to lots, from low energy to high energy. What if it only took five minutes every day? Would you do it? Shift your patterns by listening to Jane's daily inspiring and life-changing messages. Join her global community online at www.ultimateprosperityplanners.com. Prosperity Jane. Your personal prosperity cheerleader. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Alfrey is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear It hinders your forward movement When you keep bringing up the rear Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. I'm so happy to be talking juice with somebody who really knows that topic, and that is Jessica Geyer. She is the co-president of, um, of Broad Generation, a wonderful, pure, fresh, 
beautiful juice company. I've had these juices and you can just feel like they just jumped out of those veggies and fruits and right into that perfect bottle. She's in business with her dad, Bill Geyer. And Jessica, who's with us today, started helping her grandmother get strong during chemotherapy for pancreatic cancer. She became certified in holistic health and combined that with her dad's business savvy you got raw generation. They ship all over the continental United States to help people be clean and pure and juicy. Thank you, Jessica, for being <laughs> with us today. Thank you, Victoria. That was a lovely introduction. And you're on a juice cleanse yourself right now. I am. I am day three of seven and possibly longer. Um, I've I've never done more than four days personally. Ah. So I'm going to test it out and see how it goes. Seven days is nice. You feel like you, you're a real grown-up when you can do seven days. <laughs> yeah. So Well, we have, we have a lot of customers that do longer periods, and I wanted to see for myself, you know, what it was like. Yes. So. Brave woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell us about the role of juice in everyday life. And then the role of juice as a three or five or seven or longer day cleanse process. Okay. Um, so juicing um, as something that you do every day is great um, to get your vitamins and minerals. Um, it's The way I look at it is it's a fresh and real vitamin that you're drinking every single day. Um, when I'm not doing a juice cleanse, I drink at least one green juice a day, um, and you know, one to two, uh, depending on the day that I'm having. Um, but it's really the best way to round out your diet and get all of those nutrients that sometimes you don't get. I mean, you know, we're all busy, we all run around. It's easy to grab something here and grab something there, but you're not, you know, maybe you're not grabbing the best food. Um, so juicing is really like, if I know I can drink my green juice first thing in the morning, like I'm good to go for the day. Um, and then it, it also sets me up to have a better day of eating because I'm putting something healthy into my body first thing. And, you know, it just, it just sets the tone. That is so um, true. I, I wrote about that in Main Street Vegan, that if you're the kind of person who needs a monster cookie at three in the afternoon, just have a glass of juice at two. And it's not like, okay, I won't have the monster cookie. It's like, you won't want it. There's something exactly. about that juice that changes your cells so that your brain is different. Mm -hmm. Pretty magical. Yeah. And it definitely does help with the afternoon crash. It prevents it actually. Um, there are some days, actually, um, I a while ago I was addicted to caffeine. And so one of the symptoms that I was having was I would get the afternoon crash. And as I was weaning myself off, I did it with um, green juice. And I would have a green juice in the afternoon, and it would, I mean, I wouldn't even experience the crash. Um, so I know, you know, way back before I started changing my health and, and my eating, I would, would experience the crash every single day. And this was like years and years ago, right after college. Um, but the, the juice definitely does help with um, staying steady throughout the day and keeping your energy up. 
Um, and-, and then juice cleansing, which I personally do every one to two months, but you know everyone's different. Juice cleansing isn't for everyone. I tell I tell that straight up to everyone. I said, you know, some people love it, and some people are so so about it, and some people just can't do it um, for various reasons. So you know that's okay because everyone is different. Um, but personally, I find that I feel better when I cleanse frequently. Um, and if I do it once a month, it'll be for a couple days. And then sometimes if I'm not feeling all juice, I'll do like a raw food diet where I do the bulk of my day is juice and, um, like dinner would be a salad or lunch would be a salad. And that also helps with, um, juice cleansing and having like social, um, obligations where like, you know, you say like, say every Tuesday night you go out to dinner with your friends. And this Tuesday you're doing a juice cleanse, you can go out and still eat and like not sit there and just be, you know, not eating. You can go and have a salad or, um, you know, some, some like crudite or something like that. So there are variations that, you know, are very acceptable. Um, we get a lot of, we get a lot of questions from customers saying, well, can I eat anything? And I'm like, yes, you can eat fruit, raw vegetables, you could have a salad, um, you know, anything that's raw goes along with doing a juice cleanse because it's, you're still getting all the enzymes and you're getting, you're getting to chew, which is a huge thing that people, um, they feel the need to chew after like a couple days of, of just drinking your, your meals. But juice cleansing can be a great way to, um, get more energy, clear your skin, lose a couple pounds. Um, it really just overall like helps a lot of conditions. I have found that it's like punctuation. I like to do it at once a season, preferably around the change mm-hmm. of the seasons, not necessarily when the calendar changes, but when the weather changes. Right, and yeah. it, it just seems to make everything better going forward. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the juices of raw generation. What are some of your favorites? Okay. Well, my, Absolute favorite is the green juice, which I named after myself because it was my favorite. <laughs> and um, in it is um, spinach, kale, collards, apples, and lemon. And it's 50% greens. Ooh. So, yeah. So we, we really, one of the first, that was actually the first juice that we created when we started um, developing the company about two years ago. We decided that um, a lot of the juices out there are like light on the, on the dark greens, which is like, in my opinion, the most important, um, really food group that is the least consumed. Um, you know, it's hard to eat, like you, it's hard to eat as much leafy greens as you need. So that's why juicing them is so great. Cause you get like a huge amount in this one tiny bottle that's, you know, easily consumable. Um, so that one's my favorite. And then actually I, so we have four different juices um, that make up the cleanse, but then you can also buy them individually. Um, There's the green juice. Then we have a carrot, apple, beet, and ginger. And we have a um, carrot, orange, and ginger, which was my number two favorite until recently, which I'll tell you about in a second. And then we Mm -hmm. also have pineapple, cucumber, and aloe. And so each day of the cleanse, you get three green juices, And then the other three are one of each of the other blends. Ha ha, Um, that sounds great. 
Yeah, so it's really heavy in the greens, which is what I wanted because those are really like they do they work the magic. Um, but anyway, so recently, about a month ago, I found out that I was allergic to a bunch of different foods that I was eating. One of which is ginger, which I'm so heartbroken about because it's <laughs> it's like my favorite spice ever. Um, but so anyway, I can't. Needless to say, I cannot drink two of our juices anymore. Um, so I'm you know kind of juicing myself now again. But, um, yeah, all of our juices are, they are 100% raw. We don't use high-pressure pasteurization. We don't pasteurize. We don't heat the juices ever. It's just the produce is juiced, bottled, and then frozen. Um, And we do that because it is the only way to preserve the juice because it has such a short shelf life. Um, It's the only way to do that without heating it. And heating destroys like much of the nutrition and enzymes and all the benefits that you know you you want to drink the juice for it just it just it destroys a lot of it and so if somebody wants to order juice from you how how do they do it you know most people think no if you're going to buy something perishable you go to the store Mm -hmm. right well we sell um 100 online and um we ship the juices frozen so they'll get anywhere. We ship nationwide. I'm sorry, the continental U.S. Um, and we ship them in insulated boxes so they will arrive, if not 100% frozen, mostly frozen. And then you can either stick them in the freezer if you're not cleansing right away or you're not going to drink them right away, or you can just stick them right in the refrigerator and they will thaw in about a day. Or you could, you know, you could thaw them on the counter as well. Um, and then start your cleanse or just drink them at your leisure. It's and really if, convenient. And if somebody is thinking, gosh, I'd like to do that, I wish I could have a discount code. <laughs> we what have would one. you tell them? <laughs> Ooh. I would say um, we're giving um, all of your listeners 50% off of any um, cleanse or juice that they order with the code VEGAN. Wow. That's good anytime. It's not going to expire. Um, so if you're listening now and you want to you know, jot it down and order later, or if you're listening to this on the podcast, um, it's good anytime. So the code again is vegan and it's for 50% off. Is that only listeners or also host? <laughs> it applies to everyone. <laughs> oh, that's great. That is, that is really exciting. And all these juices sound very delicious to me. Now, mm-hmm. what do, uh, about the, the three that aren't green, do people mm-hmm. give you the sugar argument? Oh, that's so now, sweet. What right. do you say? We get one, um, the one with the um, carrot, apple, beet, and ginger, that's a little bit sweeter than the others. But surprisingly, I thought we would get that argument, but we don't really. I mean, I don't think it's, I've ever gotten it. It seems that the beet is grounding in there. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, a, it's very earthy. Yeah, um, and very tasty. Yeah. I usually don't like beet juice, but I like yours. Yeah, so you it, well, must have the we, proportions right. <laughs> yeah, we only put a little bit, um, so it's not overwhelmingly beady. Um, and you know, the carrot and the apple uh, sweeten it up, and then the ginger makes it a little gives it a little kick. Oh, that's exciting! So. Why do you think people care? I think if we were doing this 10 years ago and saying, oh, you could get 50% off on a whole bunch of juice, people would say, thank you very much (laughs) and go do something else. 
what's <laughs> yeah. happened? Why are people juicing? Well, I the reason I started juicing, well, actually, let me take it back a step. My um, grandfather, my father's father, has been a ha, well. He passed away in the last year, but he, up until he um, passed away, was an avid juicer. And so I kind of grew up, I grew up knowing about it at least. Um, you know, I tried it on several occasions and it was absolutely disgusting to me, like way back in the day. Um, and then my father picked up the habit, although he was less um, consistent with it because of the time it takes and effort and it's messy and, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I've been aware of it for since as far back as I can remember since we started the business, we started developing it two years ago. Juicing has been like, become like such a phenomenon. Um, You know, everyone, I hear people talking about it everywhere now. Whereas, you know, even two years ago when we started this, it was like, well, I don't, we don't know if this is going to work. You know, Um, I think a lot of people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And a lot of people are overweight. And this is, you know, another option that they can try to see if it's going to help them feel better and feel thinner and get healthier. Um, it, in my opinion, it really is the best way to solve a lot of issues without going, you know, there's the whole medicine and big pharma thing, which we could talk about for hours, but it's the healthiest way to get better in my opinion, because it's literally you're extracting all the nutrition out of pounds and pounds and pounds of fruits and vegetables um, into something that's easily consumable. Because if you were to eat the amount of produce that you can drink in one day, you're like, you'd be eating all day. There's no way you could do it unless you were you know, dedicated to sitting down and just consuming all of this. And plus, you wouldn't want to because there's so much fiber that I think it would just be too much. But, you know... It's just, um, I'm hoping it's not going to be like a fad and that it becomes more of like people start juicing every single day rather than doing a cleanse four times a year. Because really it's it's about like the long-term effects of what you are putting into your body. And the more um, consistent you are, the theoretically the healthier you'll be and the better off you'll be. And juicing is one of those things that it just fits with, like, your day-to-day. It should be, you know, one of the things that, that everyone's doing. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. And raw generation is making it easy. <laughs> I, I don't think that it's a fad. I think there might be a little bit of, of kind of a fallback, you know, how, how things get very, very popular. Mm-hmm. And then the people who weren't really committed kind of go right. on to something else. But when you think about it really has been around for a while. I think about the Jay Cordich, the juice mm-hmm. man, who's now, I believe, in his early 90s and mm-hmm. still doing fine, had cancer back in the 1920s. And yeah. I mean, in those days, they had to juice by some kind of hand crank press, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It was very difficult. I've seen one of those, one of those old ones. It's like, uh, it's like gears. Yeah. It's very, yeah, it's very, and, uh, and, but it, at that time, you know, it was it was very weird. People were called health mm-hmm. nuts, and in England, they were called cranks. And 
but they persisted and, and they told other people. One of our guests that we've had on, Karen Ramsey, who's a, a raw mm-hmm. food expert, talks about it's interesting because it was your grandfather and in her case, it was her grandmother. And it mm-hmm. kind of skipped a generation. So she was being raised conventionally. But when her own child developed health issues, she remembered that her grandmother had juiced and eaten a lot of raw food. And so she used that to help her own child. So mm-hmm. it seems like when more and more of us have these stories in our families, it's going to become part of the culture in a way that's Definitely. not going away. Definitely. I mean, and they have some kind of juice in Starbucks. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, evolution. Um, yeah. that is the world. Yeah. It's getting more mainstream. It, it is indeed. So tell us about what else you do. Do you practice as a holistic health coach or is the juice business taking up all your time? <laughs> the juice business is taking up my my work life. Um, you know, when I got out of, in, uh, when I graduated from integrative nutrition, um, I, toyed, I, I did both because we were still developing raw generation. We hadn't actually opened yet. And so I took on a couple clients and I realized very quickly that that was not the the way that I wanted to go. I was wanted to do more of like the business end of it. So um, I do not practice as a health coach, although I do, you know, we have um, all of our customers, not all of them, but a lot of them write in and say, you know, I have this issue. What do you think? Or, you know, I'm finished up with my juice cleanse. What's the best th- the, what's the best way for me to maintain my weight loss? Or, you know, there's, they're constantly, coming up with new questions. So, and I answer all of them. Um, everyone that writes in that has like a personal question, um, you know, trying to help them out as much as possible. So in a way I, I do, I do it with all of our customers. Um, but not, you know, not in the traditional way that the Institute for Integrative Nutrition teaches you or, you know, yeah. coaches you on. I, I see that with our Main Street Vegan Academy program, these wonderful, interesting people who are so excited about getting these ideas out into the world, go mm-hmm. out and do different things. One of our graduates, she she does have her site up for her health coaching, but her real passion is is a Texas cowboy boot company that's called Kip Butt Boots. <laughs> and and just like you, she's finding that when you've got some kind of business where people are so interested in asking you all these mm-hmm. questions, that seems to be what uh, <clears throat> what carries it off. So one yeah. really quick question before we have to go. You call your sure. company Raw Generation. About mm-hmm. how much raw food do you think most people should be thinking of eating? About what percentage of the diet? That's a good question. Um, I would say for most people, aim for 50%. Um, What I recommend is starting out with a raw breakfast, which doesn't always work for everyone, and especially it does not work for uh, for certain people in the winter. Now, this is the other other caveat to that, is that um, I believe that your diet should change with the season, um, I mean, I know personally for myself, I eat a lot more cooked food in the winter because I'm always cold. You so, and me like, both. You know, make a, yeah, I'll make a soup or something in the winter because I'm just, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't do, I cannot do a juice cleanse in the winter. That's absolutely <laughs> out of the question because I'll be freezing. But, um, so, you know, increase it in the summer, decrease it in the winter, but on average 50%. Okay. Very that sounds easy good. You, you know, and that's, and sounds- if you're just starting out. Um, I would say just try to add a fruit and or a vegetable to every meal. 
Beautiful. Because that's Beautiful. something that's, yeah, you don't have to like go crazy with it at, at first. It's just, yes. you know, it should be a, a progression. Jessica, um, I could start. talk to you all day. Unfortunately, <laughs> our time is up. But check out, is it rawgeneration.com? Yep. And when it asks you to put in a discount code, you just say vegan and you get Correct. 50% off. Woohoo. So exciting. Thank you so much, Jessica. Thanks for all you're doing in the world. And everybody be with us next week, April 16, when our guest is pro wrestler, Austin Aries, vegan pro wrestler. How cool is that? Thanks, everybody. God bless you and eat and drink your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly listen to funniest thing with daryl and ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things join the discussion with daryl and ed live every wednesday at 5 p.m central time on funniest thing only on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you. But God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. At the base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that Source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Rev. Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. 
Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. base of all life is the infinite wellspring of source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Rev. Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. <laughs> 